Schofield and Company, live on the road. Five o'clock hour, Schofield and Company on a Wednesday, Mountain West Conference football media days. These media days really signal the beginning of the college football season. Camps are opening up here in the next week or so, and then week zero is August 27th, and UNLV plays in week zero against Idaho State at Allegiant Stadium. You can get your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. John Von Tobel is the company. We're uh, housed here by the Mountain West and Mandalay Bay. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Let's get to the Big Five. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. So we know it's a little bit early for a lot of people, especially for Mountain West Conference football, so we're not going to go too deep divey. By the way, if you missed the beginning of the show, we spent about a half an hour with Marcus Arroyo breaking down some of the newcomers' position groups. Uh, probably could talk UNLV football uh, for hours, um, but not enough time today. And we'll have a lot of UNLV football coverage coming up throughout the month of August because we'll have uh, multiple people out at the uh, camp getting sound, getting mm-hmm. video. So a lot of good stuff on the way and, uh, you know, exciting prospects for UNLV. And I say it because of this. In the West, the uh, preseason predictions have Fresno, number one. I know you love Fresno a lot, and they've got a great returning quarterback, and they basically got their coach back who walked away because of health reasons, Jeff Tedford, Kalen DeBoer, um, an assistant there, and then head coach, went to Washington. But Fresno, San Diego State, and then this is where I think the West is really fun. I think any of these teams could finish third. San Jose State is picked third. Reno's picked fourth. UNLV's picked fifth. Hawaii is picked sixth. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think any of these teams are great teams, but I also think every one of them, if things go the right way, could approach five-plus wins. Now, that's a big jump up for UNLV. They've got to clearly turn around a lot of the close games they had a year ago, and they got to get good quarterback play, good offensive line play. I think their defense is going to be pretty good. My way off on that, is San Jose State a clear number three team? that you trust to go out and win six or seven games? I wouldn't say clear. Like, okay. I think they're the third best team in that division. They should be favored over the other three teams, but I think they are susceptible. Yes, like that. that's exactly how I view it. And look, I mean, and here's the thing, too. If you look at it from the betting perspective, like they're at the end of what you call the gap or like the very front end of it because if you look at it from an odds perspective, Boise State, Fresno State, Air Force, San Diego State, Utah State, all to win the conference 9-1 to one or shorter. And then it's San Jose State at 28-1, to one, right? So, like, that gives you an idea. They're probably at the top end of that group of teams, but I don't think there are a clear-cut difference between them. And you look at, like, it's what we talked about with UNLV, right? On their schedule, there are a litany of opponents that are very tough. But there's also opponents that if you if you are operating at the highest level, you should be able to win some of these games against some similarly rated opponents, and it gives you some opportunity. UNLV's win total, by the way, for this year is four and a half. Like, there is some expectation for some growth this year. I had someone tweet me earlier today saying that they were going to win three games. So I have to respond after the show. If we set the over-under at three, I'll take that. I'll take over. Yeah. I mean, well, you're getting a win and a half from the market. So just from a logic standpoint. Why do you have to explain that? Oh, sorry. Don't explain that part. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you set the number, yeah. you know, way below, and, it's, and it is pretty far below what right. the, the market has it at, go ahead. Let's bet. Well, and, and here's the thing. But as we know with many listeners in the past, what has right. happened? No, We've no. made a couple of bets. Never get paid. I think one came through, right? I think that was. A oh, I've had multiple come through. Yeah, okay, multiple. Um, and here's the thing too, like because I, I wanted to uh, talk about this on the year too. Uh, I was wrong about this team last year. Like to give a royal credit, like they showed growth. I wrote a post or a piece that appeared in the New York Post about Mountain West Conference win totals. One of my best bets was UNLV under one and a half wins. And granted, they just barely got over. But one, they got over, and two, they were very competitive down the stretch outside of that final game against Air Force. Now they have to do it. Yep, they got to do it. So that's the thing. So they could, they could. They could wind up with two wins again. You lose a lot of close games, 
it could happen again. So they've got to, I mean, I think uh, Marcus Royo would admit, you know, there's some things they can improve in terms of game management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they do have to get better and turn the corner, but I think they have the goods now in terms of the roster. And believe me, folks, I would tell you, because I, I, I try to be as honest as possible. It's not try. I was as honest, you know, as I could be. I don't know why I'm saying it that way, but like I told people throughout the year, when it came to injuries, like I, 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 I'd never got last year when people are like, oh, Doug Brumfield's coming. It was like from week seven on until week 10, they're like, he's coming back. He's coming. I'm like, he's not coming back, right? He's not coming back anytime soon. He's hurt. Trust me. And that was a problem last year. That, that is one of the big improvements with this team is that they should not get into a position where you're going into a game and you're like, they've got Cameron Friel, a true freshman, at 85%, and you're looking around you're like, can Tate Martell play quarterback or not? And I'm telling you, there were three or four games where it was like that was a situation or Justin Rogers oh. was going to have to go back in. And it was another thing I told everyone last year. Justin Ro- and the, the, the best guy to listen to is Caleb Herring on the broadcast. Caleb told you from the get-go that the pacing of Justin Rogers and his body language, and I, and I told people, and I said it you know on the show, that his demeanor on the sidelines sometimes is not going to be the most productive. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think they have solved – is they now have with health. I mean, if they get, I mean, listen, if all three guys go down and they have to turn to a true freshman and uh, Jade Maiva, local guy from Liberty, then that changes the season. But they have three guys who can, I think, all play. They all showed moment. Brumfield at times looks spectacular. Yeah. Uh, Bailey, from what I've seen in the spring showcase and, uh, a, you know, a little bit of tape at Tennessee, is a, he's at least a Mountain West level, you know, above average quarterback. And I think Friel can do a, a lot of good things. Um, he's also – I'm going to throw out a name that's really old, and I'm trying to think of someone else who's like this. Florida State had a guy, Dan Kendra, who was, he was ridiculous. He was like 6'2", 255, playing quarterback. He was a fullback. And I think he eventually moved the fullback. Uh, Friel has – he has bulked up. He is listed now at 6'3", 230. Johnny Stanton type? That's a good point. Yeah. That, that's a really easy comparison to make because Johnny, you know, played some linebacker. You remember he actually had to step in a quarterback yep. and beat Fresno, and now the guy's, you know, a 245-pound bull Fullback. utility player yeah. uh, in the NFL. Um, you know, he's not – He's. I don't think Cameron's quite that big, but he's a big guy. But my whole point is I don't think they're going to get in these desperate straights at the quarterback position, and really that's where so much of your – fortune lies look i and it, it wasn't it was the most it was the worst part i thought i thought of the season outside of the air force game i was at that iowa state game i watched that up close and i know you did that was one of the worst games right? was a bad in one. Of, yeah in terms of their quarterback play yep. and just the desperation of where they were at and you're already up against it because of the quality of opponent and that really showed number four well speaking of injured quarterbacks is someone going to trade for jimmy g or did the niners just play this out too long, and now it's obvious that they have no options. They're going to have to just release them. First off, can we just say, so we get the report today that Jimmy Garoppolo has been given permission to seek a trade. Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, Behind the scenes are like, we couldn't get one done, so maybe he well, and his agent can. And that's the thing, right? Like, what do you mean permission to seek a trade? You, If you were doing your due diligence, which the 49ers are a smart organization, you've been trying to trade him all offseason. Nobody wants to eat $24 million in, in a cap hit with this guy. And, look, I think at the right price, Jimmy Garoppolo can come into certain rosters and maximize your chance of winning, right? Seattle could potentially be one of those teams. Uh, Cleveland, again, at the right price, if Deshaun Watson's not going to be there for all of this year, we hear reports that that's kind of shrink down. He might appear again this year. Cleveland could be a good option at the right price. 
But if you're talking about shipping off assets, whatever those assets are, Baker Mayfield was what, a conditional fifth and a seventh, something like that, to go and get him? But if you're even shipping off any sort of asset to eat up a $24 million contract for a guy who committed turnover-worthy plays on nearly 6% of his dropbacks and right might not be the biggest deep threat in the world, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I think you're coming up to a point now where the 49ers, if, if you're any team in the league, I don't, I don't know about uh, collusion, but I feel like all, of, like all of these teams have to be sitting back and going, nah, release them and eat it because we're not going to trade anything for them. You're going to be forced to do it anyway because you're not keeping a $24 million backup, and we'll sign him when he's available. Who would jump at a trade? Like, who do you think can – I don't, I don't mean to say, you know, suckered, but who may step out of line and not wait for him to be released? I mean, I guess I would say the obvious one is Cleveland only if – and there's some parameters, though, right? Like, because, one, they do have, I think, 40 million worth of cap space. Um, Deshaun Watson has to be suspended for the entire year, and it would probably be a little bit into training camp where they're watching Jacoby Brissett and going – okay, like we've got a really talented roster, but this is not looking great. Let's go get this guy and see if we can do this. I think that would probably be the best answer. I think they should wait. I think Because so I don't think there are a lot of teams that will even pick him up to put him in a starting quarterback race once he's released. I do not believe the Seahawks want to win this year. We'll I think they are fine with whatever happens with Drew Locke, and then we'll turn to Geno like we did last year, and then we will lose our way into a top-five pick and get the quarterback we need. Because there, there, there really is – it lacks common sense if you're like, hey, let's fight hard to win seven games and not get a franchise quarterback with a 90-year-old coach. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no. they don't have time. Well, I know. They, gotta get, they have to get the guy next year, and he has to be mostly ready to play straight out of college. Well, to me, the Seahawks are weird, though, because – and look, every single message out of a team is going to be positive, right? But, like, there's just been this really odd over-the-top positivity about how they believe this team can win more games and, like, the masses believe they can. And you mentioned the weirdest dynamic, which is Pete Carroll and his age. Like, he's not – I don't think he's a guy that's going to be willing to, like you say, kind of bite the bullet – sit back, and then, you know, He cool. can't do it for one year to do the best thing for the organization. He didn't want to change his offense for Russell Wilson. Bro, we kept you around, and we got Russell Wilson out of here. Yep. You have to be on board with the freaking plan. I agree with you, but I, and, and, like, and here's the thing. I don't know why I'm yelling at you like you're Pete Carroll. Because the, the other team that's been thrown out there in Houston is Houston. Why in the world when the, will the Houston Texans do that? Mike Florio had a – I guess I don't know if you want to call it a report, uh, but I played it on my Sunday show over the weekend where he said he thinks it's the Texans. That the Texans were set to trade for him, the shoulder thing popped up, and they were out. But they're gonna—it's gonna be the Texans who land him. Here's the thing, though, kind of to your point, yeah. the Texans are playing with free money this year. You go out there, you start Davis Mills for 17 games, and guess what? If he hits and you got a guy, then you got a guy. And if he doesn't hit, you're gonna win two games. <laughs> you're gonna set yourself up with multiple first-round picks to come away with some awesome draft capital. Number three. So Raiders camp started today. The rookies were in a couple of days ago, but media access today and camp has begun. Hall of Fame game is up in just a couple of weeks. Willie Ramirez with an exclusive. He caught up at the Aces game to the brand new president of the Raiders, Sandra Douglas Morgan. So yesterday the rookies report. First team getting the early start, obviously, because of the Hall of Fame game. And tomorrow the veterans report. For you, just, you know, I mean, obviously it's been a – cool couple of weeks I would imagine but now that it's getting started the energy yeah absolutely I mean look the front office has been great since I started but just the energy in the building has definitely shifted people are excited we're ready for the season you know you see the tents kind of going up on the fields and we're all just excited and really ready to go and do it and support the team however we can what's been the biggest 
maybe for you just a like the eye-opening learning type of thing that you kind of like the wow moment in the last couple of weeks uh, just that this team and the family that Mark has built is just an entire operation in and of itself from silver and black productions to the suites and the sales and the um, stadium teams um, to the design group obviously to the internal service departments like finance and HR. It is just an amazing machine <laughs> that is that is smooth and operating and we just can't wait for the season to kick off. So that, that's what we all do it for, right? Is for um, to help the, the players win and help them be the best they can be. There you go. New Raiders president, SDM. And of course, she has to show a united front that things are pretty good. She's going to go in and clean some things up and that's why she was brought in and apparently, you know, it's a, been a bit of a mess from a workplace standpoint. These are allegations. You know, right. we'll see what the NFL investigation uh, uncovers, but uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of her opening press conference, uh, but super impressive. And then her background, uh, I think the, the biggest positive to uh, SDM being named the president of the Raiders is she really is a true local, and she has connections everywhere in town. And I think that was the last step for the Raiders um, from, from that standpoint, you know what I mean? To yeah. be a true local team and be kind of friendly with everyone in the market. That, that was kind of my takeaway. Like, I, it, I guess it's kind of cheesy to a certain extent, but it's an important position in, in the franchise, of course. And to make that Vegas tie with it, I, I think is pretty cool. Now, can I also say that I love media stuff, right? And I love when, you know, people in her position of power will talk for a little bit. I just wish one time she, like, I can vision it. She puts her hand on Willie's shoulders like, Willie, it's a bleeping mess. It's <laughs> you, a nightmare. You, I'm in I, shock. <laughs> it's unbelievable. God, I got a lot to clean up. Here's the thing, and this is something we mentioned um, couple, you know, the, the, that day and the day after. How often did we talk about Mark Bedain, the president of the Raiders, mm -hmm. the first couple of years? Of course. Not, no, no. Actually, we, did, we really didn't. And Dan Ventrelli, we really didn't until something, you know, something came That's, up. There yeah. was a problem. But their job – most of that job is not dealing. It's not dealing with football operations, and it's really not dealing with us, the, the general public. She's going to do her work, and what you're going to see is, the, you know, some of the the bad stuff eliminated, and then we don't hear about that stuff anymore. But it's most of it's going to be, you know, new partnerships and and uh, maybe maybe a little improvement for fans and you know stuff like that. The experience put out it, there. Put it this way: ask like a random poll of a thousand NFL fans. Do you know if a team has a team president? No. They'll probably say no. I would say in most markets they don't even know their own local team president. Right, that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I, I think that's part, like, part of the job is uh, not to be seen. And you're heard through different ways, but I think a lot of people don't really know that teams actually have presidents. Number two. Well, the other thing is she's, she, you know, she's raving about the organization. And, yeah, they have a lot of good things in place. And, you know, most of it is Vegas and the newness of Vegas. And we just saw a website Sportico with a report on ticket revenue. Gate revenue. Raiders, number one in the league. $119 million in ticket revenue with ticket sales at 25th. So they have one of the smaller stadiums, but they have the highest ticket revenue. Think about that. Jerry yep. Jones has a building that holds eighty five to 100,000 people. Yep. There are legacy organizations in this league that sell out all the time. So this thing is a cash cow. They are printing money, and the excitement – from Raiders fans who, hey, middle class, poor, rich, rich people in this market who just want to be around the be around the whole thing because it's cool. People are willing to pay whatever it freaking takes, and it that 
I mean, you know, I don't know if you try to go to games, you know, non-media and pay the ticket prices. Like, it's, it is going to, again, be a super expensive ticket, and they cashed in last year. And it's not going anywhere. That's the other thing. Yeah. The, the NFL is a self-sustaining machine at this point, and it, Las Vegas is Las Vegas. And those two things together, I mean, we talked about this ad nauseum before this all yeah. happened years ago. Those two things together were going to be very profitable. And sure enough, here we are. It's funny because I've seen a little bit on Twitter like, oh, the Raiders, they only sold the 25th most tickets. And it's like, yeah, look at look at the actual right. money that's They're number one in here. ticket revenue. Like That's incredible. And so this why that number matters and why the PSL sales matter and other monies they're making matter is it does go hand in hand with player acquisition. Because there was a point, the Raiders, towards the end in Oakland, where they didn't have the money on hand to pay bonuses. And there's a lot of money that goes into bringing in guys like Devontae Adams. So that should be the encouraging thing so far. You know, Mark Davis hasn't come here and gone, you know what, I'm making money. I don't give a rat's No, we're not paying big bonuses. No, he's taking the money and then putting it into players and getting guys like Chandler Jones and paying, you know, for the, at that time, the highest paid receiver in the National Football League. Number one. Mark Davis was also out at the Aces game. Here's a Willie Ramirez exclusive uh, with Mark. We just cut it up. But uh, first point here kind of addresses the the whole excitement about the newness. A lot of change in the offseason for Mark Davis and the Raiders. It's really exciting. Uh, we're undefeated right now, and hopefully we'll keep it that way. But uh, this offseason has been a real building uh, moment for us. Brought in a new general manager and a new head coach. Uh, Dave Ziegler, the general manager, is really exciting in his ideas and ways to build a team. And uh, Josh McDaniels from the uh, uh, Patriots, uh, somebody who I think really knows how to game plan and how to adapt during the game. So I look really forward to that. And then just recently we hired a new president for the organization, Sandra Douglas Morgan, uh, who will be here tonight actually. And, uh, we're just really thrilled to have the three of them at the top of the food chain. See, Mark gave, uh, MD gave Willie the uh, snitch on SDMB. In there. You hear Willie in the back? He's nice. Like, yeah, I'm going to get that one too. Uh, Mark Davis goes on to talk about, you know, all this newness is great. Expectations are great. But guess what? Bottom line, it's got to work. Well, we're not going to know if we made all the right decisions until we see it produce on a high level on the field. No, you know, I've been through this too many times at the beginning of the season. Like I say, we're undefeated. Uh, everybody else is as well. Uh, we have a lot of promise, but you got to go out and do it. And then when you start earning those things, then you start saying, yeah, we got it right. Right now, it, you know, we, we are really excited about it. Um, they've got time to build this thing. It's not going to be something that has to be done today or tomorrow, but we want to win today. But, you know, we're, we're, we've got patience and uh, we've also got confidence. I like that. We've got patience. We've got confidence. But he also admits, like, you know, you don't have to pat me on the back. All right. Because we got to win. Mm-hmm. And he knows that because they blew out. They blew out a group that went 10-7. and seven. A lot of problems, right? There's a lot of things to clean up. But, you know, a lot of people thought Mayock, Basaccia had done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. So they got to win. They definitely got to win. Time for you to win. 364-1100. Caller 11. Four tickets for a show coming up. At the Orleans Arena, holy crap. Boy, if you like martial arts and ninjas, they've got the ultimate ninja World Series finals. Wow. Hello. You can go and see the best qualified ninja athletes compete in the World Series. OrleansArena.com is where you can get 
tickets if you don't win them from us. Ari's answering the phones right now. Caller number seven, four tickets to the Ultimate Ninja World Series Finals, three, six, four, eleven hundred. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. That's definitely like high energy everywhere we go in this building. You know, we try to keep it that way. It's just like the culture that we're trying to implement into this program. And that's a test to the coaches, um, everybody that works here. They all do a great job at keeping us, you know, motivated to be our absolute best. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live on the road. The voice we haven't heard a whole lot, John Simpson, but he has a real good shot at starting at one of the guard positions for the Raiders, and today was the opening of Raiders training camp. John Simpson, part of the availability, and, you know, was a guy picked out of Clemson. Hasn't been great so far. Also, you know, last year he got some opportunities, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what they have a guard, and who knows, they may have to go out and, you know, get someone else, some reinforcement. Don't know about Denzel Good being 100% for the beginning of the season. Also don't know about Leatherwood at left, uh, right tackle and if he has to move inside. So a lot of moving parts right now. But it needs to work. It needs to work. Like all these people out there are like, oh, Waller and Renfro and Adams and Carr, like all the running back. Like none of it works if Derek Carr doesn't have time. It, yeah. it, this has to work. They have to be at least an upper half of the league offensive line. Bad offensive lines have torn apart better offenses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean – it's a single-game sample size, but we all remember how the Buccaneers won that Super Bowl. So I saw this uh, story going viral, and I was like, my God. It was really a picture. Um, oh, you didn't watch the video? And I try to be more understanding with the stuff because I'm try to like i trying to figure out a story behind the story. So there was a picture the other day of uh, – how old was the guy? You think 45, 50, 55 yeah, older? Like your age. Right? Balding. Um, bunch of kids trying to get an autograph from Justin Verlander, and he's reaching through trying to get an autograph. And you just get – Sports radio people especially are, are like, so G-damn mean. And they also, I think they forget that they have access that fans don't. So it does look a little weird. Part of me, and I'm just going to say this before we go into this, I'm just going to assume he's your average adult male. Part of me was like, what if it comes out that he's special? Because I've had that a couple of times where you like you make an assumption and you're like, oh, my God. I'll assume he's not. He's, he, you know, he's got some... He's got some struggles. So we're going to assume he's not. And you, you even sent over the note. Like, it, it's a, it's too easy to crush the guy. Right. So, like, here's – It's low-hanging fruit for you sports radio dorks who killed him. Right. And, like, everybody's going to do the whole thing. And you're like, you, you're an adult. You, 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 whatever. Loser! Right. Now, I will say, so you only saw the picture. Did you watch the actual video? There is a point where he's reaching out to get the ball signed by Verlander. And he's clearly like all up in the grill of this kid who's standing right in the front row. <laughs> the kid turns around and clearly says something to him along the lines of, like, dude, get your hand out of oh, my really? face. To which he responds with something equally has, you know, snarky whatever, and pushes the kid with his forearm. I mean, I kind of like that. Like, he kind of yeah. lashes back out at the guy. Welcome to welcome to being an adult, brother. <laughs> well, maybe that's it. All this, fair, all's fair in love and war this is, what, this is what life is like. you yep. got to fight for what you want. Suck it, kid. Sorry, kid. It also seems that Verlander, by the way, grabs his ball. Because, you know, these guys, they probably they just go autopilot, right? So they just yeah. grab, like, the first thing in front of them or whatever. It does look like Verlander actually signed his ball. Oh, he did? I, I think so. I haven't had that confirmation on that because the second Verlander walks in front and goes, it looks like he's reaching, video ends. Yeah. Um, I can see, like, a Joey Vada who's very, like, self-aware 
aware and aware of situations. Oh, he would signing sign. it. No, signing it and then like throwing it as far as he could. Oh yeah, that'd be good. That'd be really good. Actually, right. almost like Hoskins. Go get it. The Hoskins was it two weeks ago where he like pretended to give the ball to a fan right there. They were on the road, Reese Hoskins, yeah. and then pulled it back and threw it back. Like, uh. threw it, threw it. it was great. Um, but no, so like it's easy path to destroy this guy, which we won't. Uh, my question is. Mm-hmm. What person and or event would get you to act like this? What, to push a child? Yeah. Not much. Um, <laughs> like, well, you suggested, I don't want to get creepy, you suggested a uh, to get a hug from Serena Williams. Right. I mean, there's, there, I could... That'd be all... Yeah, be all I mean, right. I could name like 50 female athletes, but I don't want to be creepy and, you know, we're trying to be misogynistic. Um, if, it, if, it, if it was an opportunity where I had to push my way to, like, get something, I was thinking more experiences... Like no, it's got, I have a would, would would I get would I get aggressive if I had a chance? Like, hey, someone in the crowd, you get to play a round of golf with OJ. Okay. Like yeah. I, I might I might fight for that because I think playing a round of golf with him would be fascinating. But I'll give you the guy that I would You'd like. I, somebody I, for that, I, I would do. I would. I would kill for that. No, <laughs> the the athlete that I would that I would fight like for an opportunity to hang out with them. Say yeah. would be. Drinks, strip club, and then whatever what happens after that with a Rod. Okay, all right. Even though he's doesn't he have a new a new woman? Has that mattered ever? <laughs> yeah, he's, what, sure what is he going to stop himself so from sure going out and having a good time? I feel like so. My answer was so. I'm at the point where now, so there's a lot of celebrities that are super cool, right? That I really enjoy their work, but they're also getting old. And so I I don't have a fear, but like my wife says all the time, like she's a big Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, right? And sometimes she gets super sad. She's like, he's getting so old that I'm never going to be able to meet him. He's going to pass before, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's ridiculous. What a, what a, what a <laughs> kind of a morbid attitude. But my thing, like, for me, yeah. I think, like, when I was a kid growing up, it would be Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan was That's an interesting one. dope back in the day. And, like, he had a cartoon show when I was a kid. Awesome. Uh, it, they're, uh, what's it called? All of his movies. He's fantastic. Rumble in the Bronx, one of my favorite classic movies of all time. I might get like that. For an opportunity to like hang out with Jackie Chan, well, if we uh, we put this on the uh, Thursday or Friday tease board, this could be a carryover topic because I'm sure Willie and Adam Hill would have some good answers. But uh, I actually, instead of Aaron, I was thinking Shaq. Like he'd be a good guy to hang out with for a night. I don't think I don't know. I feel like Shaq wouldn't really. You think he's gotten old? No, not even that. I just feel like he wouldn't be fun to hang out with. I feel like I really? think he's better than you the whole time. Are we assu- really? Are we assuming that the person is engaged in the event? Because I feel like Jackie Chan's a nice dude. I could be totally. No, no, I don't, I'm like going out with a group. It's not just like two people. I feel like Jackie Chan would be invested in everything I have to say. What, what, is, what is this based on? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just seems like a super nice guy. You're just really hopeful. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Now back to Cofield and Company, live on the road. On the road, Mandalay Bay, Mountain West Conference Football Media Day. We've had a bunch of coaches sit down with us. We're going to have more sit down with us tomorrow. Well, let's introduce the uh, Vegas market. We know we have a lot of Nevada alums here in town, some uh, Reno fans here in town. And Ken Wilson is the head coach, the new head coach of the Wolfpack. And, Coach, we'll start off with the obvious one. Uh, you know, you're at the program for a long time as an assistant. You went to Wazoo. You went to Oregon. Why was now the right time to take over the Wolfpack program? The program – uh, when when Coach Norvell left, there was a there was a tight window there, and they called and and asked, and we were actually on our way to Miami with uh, Coach Cristobal. He had just taken the Miami job, and it took us like 30 seconds to. My wife my wife's a Nevada graduate. My son played at Nevada. 
we raised our family there. So, I mean, it was, it was a, a goal when we left to have a chance to come back someday. So it was, it was really, it was, it was a dream job for me and my family. My wife, her whole family's still in the Reno area. So it's a great deal for us. It's a great to come home. We won a lot of games there in the past. So it was, uh, it was daunting and exciting and all at the same time. How much did you have to come in when you're talking to fans and talking to local supporters of the program to kind of boost them up? Because I feel like with Jay leaving, you know, the news cycle for a couple of weeks is, hey, you know what, this place isn't good enough. I'm going somewhere else that's, that's better. So what was that like for you? Well, it was. I think that the community was looking for somebody to partner with. And, and luckily, uh, you know, my family and I, we, we've been out in the community as much as we can. I think they were looking for that. It was part of the job that somebody that could connect with the community and get them to come back to the stands and be a willing partner and be out in the community. So we've really put a big emphasis on getting our team out to baseball games and schools and things when they're not on the, on the field or in the classroom, that they're out being act, active participants in the community. And my wife and I have been out as much as we could possibly be showing the the fans that we really want to be there and and i think that's what they're looking for some people that will come stay and build something and not be looking to leave you knew that was going to be part of the job i think uh i think part of the job uh, was what i wanted i don't yeah. know if it was necessarily a job requirement right but when you when you go from pullman to eugene oregon you come back to reno and you've got golf tournaments and the and a rodeo and and hot air balloon races and all the things that that are going on it was nice to get back and get involved with some of that stuff again yeah um i i actually i think in both cities i think here in las vegas as they're trying to build this program which hasn't had immense success um i think you have to get out in the community it's yep. just it's just the way it is and, and part of listen going back to tony sanchez tony's job i thought was as much about fundraising as it was about right. coaching on the field so the, these are unique spots and i, I kind of yeah. you know i wonder because we there's a there's a we'll get into the rivalry and there's an intensity here but i i told a lot of vegas fans i'm like if you guys are laughing right now at the wolfpack program I, like it's not that much different here in terms of needing more and more local funding. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just we're, we're tied together because the state is not providing billions of dollars. You know, right. it's group of five, so you're not getting tens yeah. of millions every year. Yeah. The programs really do have some similarities in terms of being out in the community. Yeah, I think... You know, if, if you're not willing to be a participant in the community and you just want them to be a participant with you, you're in the wrong profession. You know, like our job is to be out and, and endear ourselves to the community and be partners and be at the schools and be out uh, doing anything and everything that we can within our, our work schedule and our and our class schedule with our kids. We need to be out and be helping in the community, and, that's, and that endears them to come to our games because they have a connection with us. I will tell you, there's been coaches here, basketball and, and sometimes football, who didn't get the rivalry and didn't get – there's intensity here. But I, I think in Reno there is a next level yeah. next level intensity. So I assume, like you, you, you know from being there, yeah. they, these games are freaking really important to Wolfpack fans against UNLV. Yeah, it's, a, it's the biggest game of the year. Um, in my previous year, we were 17-2 and two in this game. So um, it was an important game every year. I mean, it's one of the goals on the – everybody writes their goals. It's at the top of the goals before anything else is winning the, winning the state championship every year. And, and uh, the players up north and the, and the, are, are up in, in the Reno area and, and all over the state, they, they know that from the time they're born. That's a big deal up there, and it's a big deal to my staff. And I try to impart that. Coach All tries to impart that. I mean, it's – it's bred into the the fabric of the University of Nevada. So now you know you, you want to win football games. You got to build a roster. Uh, the other thing I mentioned is that funding. So 
what can be the the big steps taken from here to get that you know that practice facility you need so that right. you don't have a weird situation like last year where they're you know practicing half the time in Northern California. Yeah, so you got to win football games. It's it's really it's really that simple. You you've got to put a respectable team on the field that people are proud to come watch. They got to play hard and they got to win football games. And that's our job and that's our goal. And uh, you know if if you build it, they'll come. And that's what that's what we're planning on doing up there. And and I think that's uh, a, a consolidated uh, financial stream. Getting some help from the state would be awesome. I know both schools are looking for that. Um, it's been a, a a issue that we we need to to work with the state on that and that could be a, a big bonus and as well as the students i mean if if we're active with our students and our football players are active with the students the students will help with that with student fees and stuff if they get something on the other side of it that benefits them so there's a lot of different angles there that we have to utilize to build what we want to build yeah my opinion and i say it all the time on local radio here in las vegas is i do think that politicians and public servants should be stepping up to the table and should be a lot more vocal because both of these schools benefit the community yeah. big time and and right now there's listen there i don't know if there are true openings or not but i believe there are openings to get closer to being at the big boy table and closing that gap so that you know you're not getting five mil a school or four mil a right. school versus yeah. 30 but well i hope that i hope that they see that that there's a big uh, advan- advantage for both of our schools right now on this landscape to make some big some big moves if we get some help. Ken Wilson's with us, uh, Nevada coach. All right, you come in. You look at the roster, right? Uh, Jane Orville takes a bunch of players. You already knew you were going to lose Carson Strong, but uh, when you looked at the roster, you're like, okay, these are the areas we got to hit the portal on. Yeah. What were they? Well, we need it right away to fix the offensive line to get a better. You know, the union up there is legendary in the in northern Nevada. That's what drives the program, and we had to fix that. We brought in some portal guys, some JC guys. That was one of the big needs. Wide receiver was a big need. We're really young at linebacker. We're really a veteran in the secondary, so we didn't hit that as much. We'll hit that in the 2023 class. We got a couple really good defensive linemen, and we got the two running backs that will be here at the media day that will play a lot of football and really – uh, encompass what we want to be as a football. They're tough guys. They're they play with a lot of emotion. They play like we want our team to play. So we got to utilize those guys, and and that was a strong position for us. So yeah, I, I actually I thought in the past, well, the the pass game was so good that essentially a lot of the the quick pass game was the run game. But I, those two guys, yeah. first of all, they're both loads. Yep. Um, yeah, I think if you build around them, you're going to have something you know pretty respectable on offense. Yes. Yeah, they're. I mean, you'll see them. They're they're packed up guys. They're very serious. They want to be really good, you know. And and they're leaders. I mean, they're they're they were guys I hung on to right away. And there's a reason why I brought those two down here for this first thing because we need to change that mentality and we need to utilize those guys to win football games. You mentioned defense. Don Peterson's back. Yep, he's a load. So yes. that that's a good place to start. Yep. He's got a guy that's uh, that disruptive inside. You know, Don would play at any school that he wanted to play in the mm-hmm. country. I mean, he's a powerful, disruptive guy. We got five secondary, six secondary players that have played a lot of football. They're, they're, if we can get teams to pass, now we got to stop the run to get them to pass. Right. We've got some skill back there in the secondary, and then we're young around them, right? We brought in some portal guys, and we got to mix that all in in 25 practices and and build this thing. And I think offensively, we brought in we've got seven or eight tight ends now. We had one when we got there, so we had to bring in tight ends if we want to run the football so yeah. we're we're changing the look of the team a little bit the mentality of the team but you know i tell my guys all the time i didn't come in most head coaches their first time they come into a program hadn't won many games these guys won eight games could have won 11 so i mean i i it was a, it was a good team and i it was came one in of the- yeah so we're i mean it, i i'm i'm it was 
there were some guys in the portal, but I mean, there's some stuff to work with there that we're we're uh, hoping to supplement and and get going here next Wednesday. Yeah, there, there's a mentality around the program, uh, no, no doubt, and it's a it's a winning mentality. And um, you know, it was one of the UNLV games, and I do the sidelines for UNLV. It was one of the games where. And I, I thought the Rebels played really hard in a lot of games, but you, you guys kind of broke them. Like it was just, it was super physical, super chippy. Um, so you guys have that ability to do that. Um, we didn't mention quarterbacks. So you got, yeah. you have, you have some unique as a quarterback. First of all, I, I hope Nate Cox is, is clear on his, you know, his issues at some point. Mm. But just him alone, and I know there's a competition, but a guy of six eight, six nine playing quarterback is, is yeah. a little bit different. Well, we brought, you know, Nate's played some football there. He's got a skill set. He can throw it. We brought in Shane Illingworth from Oklahoma State. He's six eight. We brought in a six six quarterback uh, from from Hawaii the so, freshman. So no vision so, problems. You can yeah, recruit so, as big as you want on the offensive so line. So we can throw over anybody in the country, <laughs> uh, any old lineman you bring in. So it's they look unique and there's going to be a wide open competition. There's some talent there though which is uh, which is good when I mean, we brought talent in around that program to help the quarterback position. And you know there's a, there's a couple guys still in there. Nate, uh, Nate Excuse me, Jake Barlidge and and uh, Jonah Chong that are there that have played a little bit of football. So there's there's depth at that position. We just got to see who's the best player for us. So uh, every coach interview I'm closing out with a uh, good or evil, right? The portal, good or evil? Good and evil. It could be evil <laughs> and it could be good on the other side. It's free agency, right? Do you want it to change to go back to what it was to kind of return to some normalcy? I wanted to put some guardrails on it, so it's not so uh, it's not the wild wild west every day. It's it's a good thing for the players, but there needs to be guardrails. Okay, conference realignment talk, good or evil? It's uh, good for us right now because our conference is solid with twelve, and we've got a good team. We're a good good group of teams here. We won the bowl uh, championship in this conference last year. Um, you know, we did some really good things. So I think as as much uh, turbulence as there is, this conference is pretty pretty strong right now. Hardest question for you the entire discussion. Las Vegas, good or evil? That's a tough question. <laughs> Be careful. University of Las Vegas, football is evil when we play. <laughs> Love to stay in Nevada. Yeah, there you go. Do you, do you have places down here? When you come down here, do you have places you like to go to, restaurants, anything like that? Yeah, I recruited, uh, I recruited down here um, when I was at Oregon, when I was at Washington State, even when I was at, at up at uh, Nevada the first time, and there's there's a lot of fun stuff to do down here. So we've uh, there's several several good places to go down. There you go. Here. Don't say too many good things. Yeah. I, you know what? I I, yeah. I have to watch it with my audience. I'm not a coach, so I don't yeah. have everything on the line. But I, I I like Reno, so I think it's a I think it's a cool city. I can see there's it's, a lot of money uh, going into it. Yeah. Uh, what's the, the main drag? Virginia, right? Yeah, Virginia. Um, I mean, there's there's a bunch of new stuff yeah. there. So it's a great uh, it's a great state rivalry. States need that. This is one of the best. Got the got the biggest trophy yep. in college football. So there's a lot of good things in that rivalry. We we just want to win it every year. There you go. All right, coach. All right, man. We appreciate Thanks. it. Appreciate it. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So I think I ruined John's topic a couple minutes earlier. I want to follow up on the A-Rod conversation. You know, you were talking about autograph seeker, male autograph seeker. You know, what would you do and push a bunch of people out of the way, kids, you know, to get an opportunity to whatever. Meet an athlete, get your moment. So I'll get to that in a second. But to follow up on uh, Ken Wilson, who was just on with us, the Wolfpack coach, we've talked about it earlier in the show, both Reno and Hawaii have real challenges in front of them. We talked to both coaches today. And by the way, they're both of the 
guaranteed partner schools in the upcoming schedule. UNLV will play. UNLV football will play those schools every year. I think it's through 2025. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to see what Nevada football looks like. Now, we're not going to see it until the end of the season up close. You know, the Cannon game down here. But you heard it. 59 new players. And Jay Norvell, who we've got booked for tomorrow, was friggin' ruthless. I'll take like, that. I'll like, take that. <laughs> like, I've never seen a football coach do that before. People got mad at P.J. Fleck. What was the directional Michigan school he was at? Western Michigan. Was it Western? And so yeah. he went from Western to Minnesota. Double check. And he stole a bunch of the Western Michigan players and recruits. And then, of course, two years later, railed on the transfer system because people were taking players from Minnesota. Like, P.J., you took players from your old stop, but – Jay Norvell's like, okay, I need a quarterback, so I'm taking my best recruited quarterback. Mm-hmm. I need offensive linemen, so he took a sophomore left tackle. And I think he's moving him to center. Mm-hmm. He took two of the wide receivers. He took some defensive backs. So Ken Wilson walks in there, and it's like, what the hell just happened? And Norvell like, laid waste to the market because he's like, basically, this place sucks and has no money. Yep. And Wilson's got to walk in. But I – I think he'll do a good job eventually. I wonder how quickly they can pick it right up. Now, here's the thing. They have a tradition of at least being, you know, bowl eligible. So maybe they can do it. But the opportunities there in the division for a lot of upward and downward mobility, because I don't know if it's going to work for Nevada with 59 new players. I don't know what Hawaii is going to do. You know, they, they have some quarterbacks in the mix, and they got some good quarterbacks, but they're going to throw it all over the yard. I don't know if they can defend. Mm-hmm. And they – Give Todd Graham credit. He was he's a jackass, and the the the, you know, the players freaking hated him. Apparently, he was abusive. They won games last year. They did, but it, that was that was one of the worst. I actually I told you like up close all the UNLV games I covered. I thought UTSA was one of the three worst teams they played. Like I don't know if UTSA would have done much in the Mountain West Conference, and I didn't think Hawaii was very good at all. So we'll see what Timmy Chang does. So that's a good job though, and it's a what a cool place. Like the you know the brotherhood as they call it, I mispronounce it. But um, <laughs> both both and both places it. have a good football tradition. So a tradition though, tradition is in the past. It's how you build Time, going you forward. And I, Times do change. You're right. And I I personally I if you're making like if you're setting odds on something right, and if you're like who which one of these programs do you think has the best shot of like you know moving forward to becoming like a decent football program yet again? We're talking about winning like six to seven wins. You know, consistent bowl eligibility. I think I'd have more confidence in Hawaii moving forward than I would with, you know, Reno, just given everything we know. And I, Gino Vril wasn't exactly wrong when he was talking about the, the lack of investment in the program. And no, he wasn't. You know what no, I mean? He, like, he wasn't at all. The- and remember, the, the tradition did not just roll on with Brian Polian. He mm-hmm. could not coach. Right. So, right. I mean, Wilson was there. He knows the program, and he's been at other good programs, but it might take a little while here. Yep. So we'll see. Back in the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So real quick on your, your question about, you know, who would you push out of the way to whatever experience? And I kind of expanded it to like, hey, I'm going to go, you know, A-Rod, let's go out for a night and I'll hang out with A-Rod and his friends and see what happens and, you know, strip club and be on there. Um, I actually did have an opportunity back around 2000 or 2001, maybe 99, uh, to do this with one of my childhood heroes from the New York Jets. You remember Mark Gastineau? Yeah. So number 99, New York Sack Exchange, ha- has been a wild man you know, post-career, and for some reason, he co- I, don't, I don't think he had any friends left. He cozied it up to myself and the sports pig. We were doing shows at the All-Star Cafe in Manhattan, and 
we we had him on for an interview, and I was like, okay, he's he's pretty crazy, Bert. And after the show, Sports Pig's like, yeah, Mark Astino wants to go hang out with us. We're gonna go to a strip club tonight and go, you know, drink. And I was like, no, <laughs> a bridge. But too now far. I look back and like, if I could have kept myself under control, and I wouldn't have done Yayo. Who knows what those guys would have done? Um, I probably missed out. Yeah, it probably would have been pretty right. good. You just gum it. So I've lost all concern for work ethic or the show the next day. So if, if Gastineau came up now in Vegas, I'd be like, yeah, let's go. All right, you got to call the company. I'm out today. Old guys hitting the town. Sorry. What are we getting wild? Sorry, we're getting, we're getting crazy. I'm in a limo. I don't know where I am. Somewhere in northern Nevada. Adam would be there, too. Adam I don't know what there. happened. One more time in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You have me fascinated, this one. You're actually, I, I feel like you haven't acted like a, a married couple. You're married. Yeah. I'm not. You haven't acted like a married couple financially. You were just talking about getting joint car insurance and cell phones. Oh, now? Dude, it's great. How well, long have you been married? Uh, our two-year anniversary is coming up in October. But you've been together longer than that, too. Yeah. Really? You're just doing it oh, now. Is it, is it all financial? It's all financial. It's nice. incredible. Incredible. It's incredible. Great savings. Great relief. I love it. I love adult things more now. I got a hand mixer the other day. So proud of you. Oh, my God. It's great. <laughs> I got a hand. We got a breakdown hand mixer. The hand mixer purchase next week. Thanks to Mandalay Bay and the Mountain West.